to be together in God's presence. Uh, if you have a, a one of the few Bibles in reach, you can turn to page uh, 1169, 1169, third chapter of the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the believers in Colossae. Um, and it's been uh, a couple months since we were in Colossians. Uh, we, we broke back before uh, the holiday season and then with, uh, with weather and such. It seems like a long pause to me, but I'm glad that we're back um, to it. Hear God's word, the voice of the Spirit speaking in the scriptures. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Pray with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And you sent your son. Lord Jesus, you, you became like us in all things except for sin and and even went beyond that because you took upon yourself the punishment which does not fall on us. You became like us in all things. You took on all our responsibilities. You walked a path of faithfulness that belonged to us. And by your condescension, you're taking us to you. You have made that faithfulness ours. We, we, we stand in your righteousness. Spirit, he sent you to us promising that you would take of what is, take of what is his and give it to us. And this is what we ask by the preaching of your word. Lord God, glorify your son by enriching us with him and pouring out the wealth of your goodness and mercy even through us. Do this. We pray in your son's name, Father. Amen. Christians here, the things above are the settled foundation of your life and the fully satisfying goal of your life. Seek the things that are above. Set your minds on the things that are above. 
the rest of this letter to the Colossians is about how you do that. How do you set your mind? How do you seek? Christian, listen. The things above are the settled foundation of your life and the fully satisfying goal of your life. Before we explore the activity of faith, the living of faith, the seeking of faith, Paul trains your eyes on the focus of faith. Jesus is the source of our confidence. Jesus brings us to the Father, to his heavenly dwelling place, to the throne room of God, to the heavenly things. Jesus gave you this settled foundation and the satisfying goal by his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven and his sitting down beside God the Father. This is what we read about in Psalm 110 last week. This is why in Romans 10, Paul summarizes the doctrine held tight by saving faith this way. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. By saving faith, you partake of Jesus. You get what he got. What he did is done to you. He becomes your substitute. So since Jesus is sitting in heaven, you get what comes with that seat. Since Jesus entered God's presence as a king and a priest, remember, this is God's oracle in Psalm 110. You are also received as a royal priesthood by God. Since Jesus rose from the dead, you get whatever goes with his resurrection. When Paul writes, if you have been raised with Christ, he is not expressing doubt. Remember the exuberant confidence with which the letter begins. Colossians 1, 3-5. We always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Paul is not speaking if with doubt. Paul starts with if because he wants you to see that this settled foundation for your life logically and unstoppably carries you towards the fully satisfying goals of your life. You might say, if you have two feet, you buy your socks in pairs. Perhaps sarcastically, but to make a point, one might say, if you were awake, then we were having this conversation. It's not doubt. It's to pull you by the clarity that this is given, and so this also comes. If by faith in Christ you have been raised from the dead, then it makes sense. The same way that being alive makes you breathe. If you've risen with Christ, it makes sense to set your mind on the things above and to seek the things above. What is the difference between the things above and the earthly things? The difference is not merely morality, as if goodness meant ignoring earthly things. The rest of chapter 3 is the opposite. 
of being too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. First and foremost, it is a call to personal, individual holiness and to corporate, devoted Christian fellowship. Setting your mind on the settled foundation and seeking the fully satisfying goals, both of these actually make Christians preoccupied with the things and the people and the events around them. What is the difference? The difference is not material. The things above are not invisible and spiritual things with the stuff below being matter, atoms, materiality. Among the things below are the invisible spiritual powers that Jesus overcame when he died and rose again. Part of what is earthly is what we often refer to as supernatural things. And among the things above is the man Jesus himself, body of blood and bone. If he will be, the center of those heavenly things is solid and tangible. The things above and the things that are on earth are rather awkward English expressions. They sound like two lists. There are these five things up there and these four things down here. It might be better to express the contrast if we said the way things are above versus the way things are on earth. It's not just a list. It's, it's more like, like a recipe, an analysis. It's not just that the things can be listed. It's how those things fit together. It's the sum of the parts that distinguish what is below from what is above. So what is your settled foundation? What is your fully satisfying goal? The things that are above where Christ is see at the right hand of God. We read Isaiah 6 just a bit ago. A peek inside God's heavenly throne room. And this is the same thing. To describe heaven is notoriously difficult because heaven is largely just a short phrase for the immediate presence of God without distance or diffusion. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. His being, wisdom, power, holiness, goodness, and truth. Describing God in terms of the left and the right and the up and the down, we're out of our depth. Still, the incarnate Christ is there with his left hand and his right hand. We don't know what his eyes behold, but we know his eyes are whole and healthy. We don't know what are the aromas, where the God-man stands now, but we know he stands there taking the full breaths of a man who is in the midst of all glory. This is what you would see in heaven. He is what you see in heaven. What holds together the things that are above? That is what Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. What is your foundation? You belong in God's presence with an exalted status and a sitting victorious Savior. On this you rest. This is where your life starts every day. What is your goal? Where is your life going, you will dwell in God's presence with an exalted status and a victorious 
Savior. That is the forever to which you are drawing closer each and every day. The resurrection of Christ and his ascension to heaven demonstrate that you belong in God's presence. Jesus did not shed his body when he went to God's presence. He is still 100% man, even though he dwells face to face with the living God. When we come face to face with God, when we enter his immediate divine presence, we will be 100% normal human beings. And you will belong there. You will fit. God's presence is overwhelming, beyond description. And no one can tell what God has prepared for those who love him. Nevertheless, we know it is a place where human bodies belong, where human people belong. It will not be bizarre or strange. It will be wonderful beyond description, yes. You won't be whittled down to your soul. You won't be reduced or edited. You will be as whole and as human as Jesus himself in God's presence. You belong in God's presence. This is a starting point for you, Christian. This is foundational. You aren't too small or too human for God to interact with you. I don't know how. Billions of believers will interact in the age to come with the singular and let's approximate five foot four and maybe about 175 pounds, Jesus. It's a logistical problem I can't translate. But in the place where Christ is, Jesus belongs. Muscle, blood, and bone. His resurrection and ascension demonstrate that your sins are forgiven and your guilt cast aside. And that the things above are where you belong. It is Christ's country. Exactly this sort of country. Where you will be at home. But not just your human physicality. The eternal Son of God became incarnate. Not becoming a thing. But by becoming a human person. A living spirit. It is not just your body that belongs in God's presence. Also, your human soul and psychology and experience belong with God. This is why the Christian life truly involves communion between you and the maker and owner and the Lord of all things. We belong in his presence. The resurrection demonstrates that we physically belong in his presence. The ascension shows that we personally belong in his presence with all the intimacy and particularity of being ourselves there with him. Now, not only does Jesus give you a place in God's presence, but he also gives to you an exalted status. He is at the right hand of God the Father, and you share in that status with him. This is also from Psalm 110. It is precisely his status as king and priest at God's right hand that the New Testament writers celebrate. In Paul's language elsewhere, you not only have direct access to God, 
But you have access for a bold and unrestrained calling upon God. Like a king, you have the place to speak to God of anything in the world that concerns righteousness and the thriving of his gifts. Like a priest, you have a place to speak boldly for the sake of people, any person, all people, alienated from God. You have an exalted status, not simply because God hears your petitions for the world. Your status is more. Your status is more than partaking in God's great works as his royal priests and priestly kings. You are exalted to behold his glory, to enjoy the goodness of knowing him, to resonate with praise in his presence. You are his cherished ones. Like Jesus, he places his glory on you. This is foundational. This is what it means to be accepted in Christ. This is where you wake up every morning. It is often not your experience on earth. You will find yourself treated with indifference, unnoticed and contempt, and even deliberate disdain. Still, in Christ, you have dignity with him. You are honored by one who is grander and greater than all you could imagine. In the here and now on earth, knowing your dignity before God, it is this exalted status that quells our petty temper and restrains our self-centered squabbling. This dignity is far more powerful in your life than any true and accurate rule about how to treat others well. But this is not only foundational. This is what we seek. Much of what will be satisfied in the eternal state will be living in a society of dignity, living among innumerable royal persons. These are the things above. Jesus in God's presence, him at the right hand, and him sitting. Again, this is from Psalm 110. And this is astounding. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus rose from the dead, defeating death. He ascended to the right hand of the Father to exercise authority over every power in the universe. He sat down in heaven, signifying his full victory. But notice, in the psalm, he sits until I make your enemies your footstool. As the psalm shows, the Messiah sits, but the war rages. And this we know fully in our own experience. Christ has sat down as the Messiah, and still through the centuries, his conquest goes on. He is the sitting Savior, unquestionably victorious, although the war unquestionably continues. This is foundational for your daily life. You have an ongoing battle with the flesh, sin, and the devil. That unceasing combat is not a reason for discouragement or fear. You could never win the war against sin. You could never be a good enough Christian. Your Savior is sitting. The battle of every day is real, but it is a real part of of his victory. 
Do you think Jesus is discouraged sitting at the right hand of his Father? Do you think that he's like a parent with a small child, somewhat annoyed looking back to see if you're going to catch up with him? No. He sits in victory, knowing that the battle is being carried out and won. And that is who you are. He, he sits until the victory is full, but he sits as already victorious. As long as Jesus is sitting in heaven and you are living on earth, you should expect to have a real war with sin. But never, never think that you will lose or be lost in that war. You belong in God's presence. You have an exalted status before him. And you have a sitting Savior. This is your settled foundation. This is your fully satisfying goal. This is what must frame your life. This is what you must use to understand everything else. You don't need to bring these things into your life. They come with Jesus. This is who he is. Set your mind on him. He has given himself for you and to you. In the coming weeks, we will explore this calling as we work through chapter 3 and 4 of Paul's letter to the Colossians. This is the point. Set your mind on things above. Seek the things above. Perhaps it isn't obvious, so let me be explicit. Paul intends for you to seek and to find the heavenly things on earth now. You are called to seek the heavenly things in daily life. This is real. These heavenly things are to be had in our life together as a church. God's presence, the exalted status, and Christ's victory. This is why we gather. This is why we live together. This is what we are doing in our homes and our town. Still, there is a longer and grander searching for the heavenly things. Every day we can and should seek for these things on earth. They are our foundation. But we are seeking finally to stand where Jesus is in the immediate presence of God, in the full radiance of his glory, basking in the grandeur of the one who loves us. This is what you will be looking for on your deathbed. To step into the presence, that exalted status in the victory of the Lord Jesus. The earthly things are also perishable things, like our health and physical frame. The heavenly things are forever fresh and bright. We will see in weeks to come that every day these heavenly things are available on earth. But the heavenly things are only fully in reach beyond the limits of this life. The heavenly things are truly satisfying, but they will only be fully satisfying when heaven overtakes earth completely. Please hear this. A wholesome, satisfying life in this world will make you long for the next world. Without being morbid, 
to live is Christ. To die is better. Set your hearts on things above. Seek things above. Where Christ is, at the right hand of God, seated. Pray with me. Father, 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 glorify your Son. As, as, as we were made for your glory, as you as you have rejected the, the rebellion, the, the attempt to contradict your glory. Lord, because you are worthy, because you're fully expressed in your Son, because your Son has become what those in death and folly and rebellion most desperately need. Glorify him in us and through us. Let his name be heard. Let us marvel. Gather many. We pray in your name.